All right, welcome everybody back to the Brews and Belters podcast. This is season two, episode 23. Um, I'm Keegan Gowitz. I'm sipping on actually a, a little fan favorite, or not even a fan favorite, a host favorite tonight. Um, this is a Sprecher's beer, uh, a Wisconsin staple. Growing up, Toby and I would go with our, our friends, the Butlers, Jack being the eldest of the Butlers, who is uh, featured here and there on the Brews and Belters podcast. We'd go up north in Wisconsin and get Sprecher's root beer all the time um, while we were up there. And this is a special amber by Sprecher's. Um, 5%, really good. I love amber beer, so um, I've really, really enjoyed it. Just found these at, at the local liquor store here. Um, and it's pretty tasty. I hadn't had them before tonight, so I uh, got a little six-pack of these. Joining me, as always, is Toby Hinefeld. Toby, how are you? What are you drinking tonight? Kings, I'm doing great. Uh, you brought it up last week. I brought it in this week. I got two brothers, Domaine DuPage, um, bottled. It is 6.2% ABV from Warrenville, Illinois, and it is a French country ale. Um, Kings, you've had this beer. How would you even describe this? Like, I, I like a malty red ale. I don't. I don't yeah. know how to. Yeah, what I was drinking last night was a red ale with like caramel malt, and it tasted very, very similar to that. So yeah, I would describe <clears throat> it almost like as a a malty red. Um, but I think it's described well. Like, yeah, you said a French country ale, which I think that's like the only one of its kind. I actually looked up that particular type of beer. And that was the only thing that popped up is a mm -hmm. local Illinois beer. So I don't know if that's like truly a type of beer or if that's just something that the main uh, two brothers, excuse me, uh, decided to label it as. But yeah, definitely like a red ale meets an amber is kind of what it tastes like to me. It's delicious. Yeah, def definitely good. Uh, I don't know where I'd rank it in the top Illinois beers, but it's it's got to be in the top 10, I would assume. Yeah, it's up there. It's up there for sure. Uh, that is a staple in the Gowitz household. My dad's favorite beer, my brother's favorite beer, and definitely one of my favorites as well. So, There we go. So is this going to be a Harry Kane podcast today based on his performance <laughs> over the weekend, or what are we doing here? It might as well be. I've never been such a big Harry Kane fan. Um, <laughs> that performance against City was unbelievable. Huge three points in the table for me as a Liverpool fan. Um, terrible three points given away if you're a City fan. And a hopeful performance for Tottenham supporters such as yourself, um, you know, if, if the result today wouldn't have happened. But, uh, yeah, let's get into it. What, what were your thoughts as a, as a Spurs supporter? Uh, what were you thinking over the week? So before I even get into that, I am the meme where Bugs Bunny is holding the gun and he has, like, his forehead to the barrel of it and just says, like, Lord, forgive me. Cause I'm about to go back to the, my old self. That's, that's how I feel right now. Like that game happened and I was going bonkers. I like Harry Kane hasn't flashed that in probably two years. Yes. He won the scoring title, the golden boot last year for the premier league, but he hasn't had a performance like that in probably two years. Um, the last time I've seen anyone have a performance as good as that, it was probably human son against man Manchester city but it was during the champions league. Um, it was, it was awesome. Like it had everything you wanted. Uh, Conte, you know, definitely was getting hyped 
for both ways in the media leading up into it. I've been on the, I don't know. I've been freaking out about it this whole time. I brought it up last week with you. Uh, he, he's brought up different quotes. I don't even know. Like he, so going into the game, he, the Saturday before he pretty much brought the team together and talked to them. Uh, media reported it where he pretty much brought the team together and said that he was going to be a part of this group. You know, he's in it to win it. Um, and he wanted that from the same team. And they came out and they threw out their two new signings, uh, Kuvaleski and Pantechkor. And, dude, they played phenomenally. Yeah. Um, both of them did. Uh, Kuvaleski got the Meg on the goal right off the back at the start of the game. And that kind of put everything in place for Tottenham to get off on the right foot because they have not been able to do that all year so far. Uh, do you know why Google, why he left? Uh, why Juve allowed him to leave? Was it some reason or was it just Chiesa coming in? Or um, Yeah, my assumption would be Chiesa. And um, I don't know if Kulisevsky was good. I, I can't remember how much Tottenham paid for him. But um, I, I mean... <clears throat> With Juventus being Juventus, they got money and they can pick up players. I think Kulusevski is really good, but I don't know if he's like at that level that they're looking for from a winger where they're going to go and try and win a Champions League or, you know, come back and, and win the Shudetto. So they picked up Vlaovic. And I think that allowed, um, you know, Chiesa to fill that right winger role. And then Murata can play a left winger. Or, you know, they can they can pick up another player with the money that, that they – they sold Kulisevsky mm -hmm. for and, and, and Benton core for. So I think it's more of a move to, to maybe put themselves in like a champions league position down the road. So, yeah. Yeah. So those two played really well. And so did, I mean, of course, Harry Kane did, but so did uh Cody Romero, their center back. Uh, I mean, he's playing right now. Like he's a top five center back. He got a bad in the 90th minute. They were up two one. Uh, he went to block a shot and hit off his arm. It looked like if it didn't hit off his arm, he was going to get smoked in the face with the ball. So I get why he like reactively did that and while lunging. Um, but it definitely hit off his arm, which is a handball in the box. So uh, City stepped up, and uh, I think it was Mares that stepped up to it and took that. And so it was 2-2 at that point. And you're just like, here we go again. Like, let's just equalize this. Let's get out of here. Like, we should not even be here. And the edit had and going two to draw uh, and there they were. And lo and behold, like 90, I think it was 95th minute, 94th minute. Uh, Kulosevsky took one and Harry Kane finished it. And Antonio Conte went crazy and Tottenham, Tottenham drew me back in. Like I was, I went, I went crazy. Two of my friends who are Tottenham, supporters texted me you're welcome <laughs> huge yeah. three points for Liverpool. i was freaking out dude ungodly right but it was just like it, i mean even as a random supporter which I, i'll tell you in a second but the, as a random supporter that was a phenomenal game to watch yeah like, yeah uh, great perfect. game for a neutral uh, i i forced my entire family to watch it at my niece's birthday party Perfect game for them to watch, which brings up a really funny point. So somebody tweeted, this is the type of match that gets the neutral or like someone who doesn't watch soccer. It gets them into the game and they think, wow, Tottenham's a great club to support. And then you watch them the next match and you realize it's a terrible club to support. And it threw me back to last year. Tottenham have had City's number. Like oh, over yeah. the last few years, they've had their number. 
And it Keats, threw I me have back that written to down. last year. Yeah, it threw me back to last year. One of my buddies who texted me and said, you're welcome, is a Tottenham supporter because of a game just like this. I want to say against City last year where Bale had a banger. Um, Kane played phenomenal. And he's like, yeah, he was like, I was kind of leaning towards Tottenham. He had been watching for a couple months, hadn't really settled on a club. And he ends up supporting <laughs> Tottenham after that match. And I was like, you don't know what you're in for, man. <laughs> Yeah, and you're gonna lose so, to Burnley, bro. <laughs> it was so spot on. Yeah, and then they come today and they lose one 0 to Burnley. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. I don't know what the deal is, and 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 our group chat was blowing up today with those guys, and they were like, "I just can't figure this club out," mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone can. I mean, they seem to play to their competition, which when they play against City, great, but when they go and lose one 0 to Burnley, it's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Well, I think with their formation, having three, three at the back and then having the two wingbacks, the wingbacks just don't have enough. Like at one point today against Burnley, Harry Kane literally took the ball off Emerson Royal, like took it from him to cross and center in by far their best centering pass of the get of the day. Like it's just ridiculous that they're just lacking in certain positions. And I think Conte's finally realizing that. And I think he was expecting more during this January transfer window than what he got. Um, and I, yeah, they're just going to have to hold on to dear life. Uh, but I mean, that's foreshadowing today with them losing to Burnley 1 0. But the game over the weekend was phenomenal. Um, Harry Kane, we, we hate on him, we love him. He does so much, not just for Tottenham, but also for England as a whole. Do you think? Do you think he is the best striker of all time for England? Over right now, as of England's national team, he is five goals behind Wayne Rooney. He's going to get that, no problem. Like this World Cup, he will get his five goals in between now and the World Cup. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I I feel like he is. I feel like Alan Shearer of Newcastle uh, was also very good, but. Yeah, God, that's tough. That makes me want to look up all of the. I mean, you got Shearer. I mean, Michael. Obviously, Wayne Rooney's up there. Jimmy Greaves is a guy way back. Um, Gary Lineker, Ian Wright. Like, like I'm looking up some of these names right now, and it just throws me back to some of these highlights I've seen of guys that I didn't get to watch live. And it's like, it's tough to make that comparison especially when you didn't get to watch some of those guys. But, yeah, I mean, statistically, absolutely. Um, like you said, he's he's going to surpass Rooney. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's well, I so much more the- outside of stats as well, you know, how they mm-hmm. affect the game and everything like that. Again, Michael Owen's on there. And, you know, Michael Owen kind of had his, his run of form for a while and then sort of fell off when he went to Real and injuries and whatever else. So it leads yeah. to that what if conversation and everything, but yeah, I mean, it's not out of the question. I don't think so to to ask that. So if you're a general manager, who would you rather have Wayne Rooney or Harry Kane in their prime? I think, God, that's tough. Cause they can both do so much. I mean, again, I, I say it's not all about statistics, but Kane obviously can affect a game in way more ways than just scoring goals, but so could Rooney. Whereas I feel like mm-hmm. Shearer was a little bit more of a true striker in the sense where he was going to go out and get a goal when you needed one. Um, 
and and affect the game a little bit less from like a passing standpoint and a movement standpoint maybe than than Kane or Rooney. Yeah. I I don't know. I think Rooney on the mentality aspect of things a little bit I'm I'm leaning him a little bit more than Kane, but I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. Kane's got I think Kane has that mentality as well. Just maybe not quite to the degree that Rooney had it. I mean, Rooney was a bulldog, so yeah. I don't know. I I can't really give it's 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 a tight race. Yeah, I'm gonna so, go. I'm gonna go Rooney. I think, even though Kane's unbelievable. You're I, just I, a hater. Go, I am a hater. hater. I am a hater. Yeah. So, so before we transition to the next uh, part of the prem, uh, who do you think is gonna leave their club this season? Harry Kane or LeBron James? <laughs> both is is both an answer. I don't know. If, I don't know if LeBron will this year or or maybe after next season. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, but I, I, think, I do think Kane will leave this season, especially yeah, I, if things if stay Con- away there. Yeah, if Conte leaves, I think he'll leave definitely. But I could see Conte being too stubborn to leave, potentially. I, I don't know. So. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? He seems, he seems frustrated. I think it. I think it depends on how the rest of the year plays out. Obviously, but yeah, he does seem frustrated. But mm-hmm. you know, again, before the city match, he's talking about how he's all in as long as they are. But I think it. I think one. It depends. That might have just been a pump up speech. Let's try and get these guys fired up. Whether he means it or not is another question. Um, and then two, just how they respond. Because if he said that he's all in, and then they're going to go out and lose to Burnley and continue performing like that, rather than the way they perform against City, then what what allegiance does he have to those players? You know. Yeah, definitely. So. But yeah, other matches. Um, Liverpool today beat Leeds 6-0. I've knocked on wood like seven or eight times today, as I've said this, but Liverpool are looking really, really good. I mean, Leeds have been really poor this season, but um, I mean, Liverpool are defending super, super well, keeping clean sheets against good opponents, um, you know, Inter Milan and the likes. And they're scoring goals again, which is really exciting to me. I think bringing in Luis Diaz has been huge. One, it's another option at striker. Two, I think it gives maybe Mane, um, Salah, and even Firmino a little bit of a push. Because I think Firmino and Jota were kind of split in time, but you know Mane and Salah are going to start every match. And now that you got a guy who's playing as well as Luis Diaz has been just coming in, those guys kind of have to turn it into another gear. And obviously Salah had been playing well. Mane hadn't been playing super, super great. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see him grab a goal um, in their last match, and then he scored two today uh, against Leeds. Salah had two, so it's huge. And then on top of that, you got Joel Matip scored today. Van Dyke scored today. Fabinho's been scoring. I mean, it it feels like from – Allison and goal all the way up to the front three, everyone is clicking and it hasn't felt like everyone's been firing on all, all cylinders for a while. So again, knock on wood, but I, they just look really dangerous and they, they, it, it feels like all 11 of the starting 11 plus some bench players are all in really good form, which you don't get runs like that very often. And so I'm, I'm hoping that they can grab, continue to grab some points and, and catch up to City, who they're now three points behind. Is, 
Is City saying, oh shit, why didn't we do something during the January window? Like, because Liverpool did. Like, they picked up arguably. At, at first, I was like, oh, that's a good signing, not a great signing. But that dude has just blended with he's, them. Oh, he's been unbelievable. His work rate's great. He fits into that pressing style. He's, I mean, he's yeah. running all over the. the yeah, Luis Diaz is who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been unbelievable. And again, I think he gives those guys that push of like, hey, you've got somebody behind you who I like, Mina Mino, um, but I, I don't think he was give. I don't think he was sweating Mane or Salah or, or Jota or Firmino. No. Like, oh, he's going to take my spot. Whereas you see Diaz, and you're like, you could slide this guy into the starting eleven seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for any any team in the Premier League right now, and so, so that. That puts uh, Liverpool what? Because this is this today's games were not actually. I don't think they were actually scheduled games. They were pickup games. Yeah. Based on teams that were back a game or two. Yep. So Liverpool had one in hand or two in hand. One in hand. So now they are even with City. They both played twenty six matches, <clears> and um, City sit at sixty three points, and Liverpool sit at sixty. Ooh. So they're three do they points have, behind. Do they, do they play each other? Do you know? Yeah, they still have to play each other one more time. So, so. if Liverpool can just beat them, then they're pretty much equal if they win out. Yeah, right. but, uh, you know, obviously got to win out and, you know, hope hope City <clears throat> lose or, so, you know, hope you don't drop any points. So it's going to be tight. It's gonna So be here's tight. a hypothetical for you. James Milner, 36-year-old. Dude has been a talisman for you guys along with Jordan Henderson for the longest time. He is a unrestricted free agent after this summer. And he is 70 matches away from the all-time Premier League appearances. And I'm pretty sure he's pretty much been at Liverpool that entire time. Do you think they should sign him to one-year contract and try and get there and then maybe sign him for a second contract? To... Um... Or do you think they just let him go somewhere else? And I'd love to see him sign signed for another year um and he's been around i mean he was with city for a bit he started out with Leeds, but he has been with liverpool for a while um i would love to see them re-sign him just because i think he brings a ton to the team from a leadership standpoint and his versatility he can play a fullback he can play defensive mid he can play an attacking mid i mean he literally anywhere except uh, center back and and up top you know he he can play five or six positions. So mm-hmm. I would love to see them hang on to him. Um, I think he's phenomenal. One of the hardest working players in the premier league and smart. And again, a leader. So I would love to see them hold on to him and I would love to see him break that record. But I, I mean, that's what are we at match day 27? So there's 12 matches left this year and then 30 or what? 39. He'd pretty much have to play two more seasons. Yeah, he would have to play two more seasons. So even if they did sign him for one more year, he might not, you know. And and they would have to win a lot during those next two seasons. But still. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they'll sign him for two more years. I don't even know if he'll keep playing for two more years. But we'll see. I I would love to see him hang on to him. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see that. I don't want him to go anywhere. Grandpa Mills. Like it. 
Um, and then Leeds versus United. I know you watched a bit of this, and we'll we'll segue then um, into United's performance today in the Champions League. But any any takeaways from that match? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think you need to apologize to Harry Maguire getting the goal. Never, ever, never. The man's a fridge. <laughs> so, the man's a so, seventy-five million pound fridge. In so defense. in about in about ten minutes, I plan on shitting on this man. But uh, let's go from there. Um, is it weird I like Luke Shaw? Not at all. I think Luke Shaw's class. He was great in the Euros. Um, hasn't been anything like incredible at United, but he was great in the Euros, and he's shown spurts for United. I think he's yeah. solid. I don't mind Luke Shaw. No, I I like him too. Like Paul Pogba's uh, fade that he currently has with his decals. Did you see it? Oh yeah, yeah. We need to showcase this more. Like that's all we I'm do. Saying. We need to throw the we need to throw the trims on social media a little yep. bit more often. Definitely. I think. So, I mean, at one point, United looked like they were in control. Uh, McTominay easily could have had three to four yellow cards in this game. Uh, I think he only walked away with one. Um, and so, what ended up happening is is a uh, Leeds ended up having to sub two guys at half because they were down two zero. Put in uh, my boy Gilhart, which is the little baby Rooney, and then they put in Rafinha, who got subbed off at halftime uh, the previous game against Everton and then came on at halftime during this game. Uh, it was just a crazy five to ten minutes where Lee's first goal was by Rodrigo, which was a cross uh, that was not meant to go in but absolutely went in. And the commentator said it's a freak, it's a fluke, it might be a game changer. And absolutely it was. <laughs> no, it was like phenomenal. I forget the guy's name that announces this, but he's like very poetic when he's uh, when he announces. And As I, all British commentators are. They're, exactly, they're and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so he had that going on, and then Rafinha gets one instantly back, and it's 2-2 game on. Um, super good game. Uh, there was a shit ton of rain in the first half that caused it to like the ball was not traveling the way it should. It was terrible splashes. Guys that were tackling were flying more than they should. Uh, definitely a fun game to watch. Uh, and then right after that, uh, Manchester United going plus two with Fred and uh, Ilanga. And Ilanga's coming on hot. Like he's looking pretty good. He got one today in the Champions League. Uh, I really like what he brings to the table, and I'm especially happy that he did that after missing that PK. Uh, I want to say in like the eighth or ninth round when they were in uh, the FA Cup. So, yeah, and that's a that's a good um, segue really into the the Champions League match today, where uh, he scored the equalizer for him in the 80th minute, his first touch of the match. I'm pretty sure um, through ball from Bruno. Uh, Atletico defender tried to slide in and, and grab it, and Alanga just jumped over him, finished it, first touch. Not a great finish, but he caught Oblak off balance and put it far post and tied it up for him. Um, but overall, United dominated possession 63%, I think. Um, a lot of shots, not many on target for both teams. I think Atletico had 13 shots, only two that they put on. In seven shots for United, only one that they put on target, which was the goal from Alanga. But um, Atletico came out hot. 
really, really good ball from Lodi uh, into Joao Felix in the sixth minute. I thought it might be a bloodbath. I, I thought this game could go two ways. 3-1 Atletico if the the world spins normally and a result comes out how it should come out because <laughs> um, I think they're the better team. Um, or it could be 1-1 late in the match and then Cristiano Ronaldo saves them because he owns Atletico Madrid and he scores a, a winner to, to put them ahead 2-1 in like the 93rd minute. Um, that almost happened. <laughs> they were they were tied one one there after the 80th with the longest goal, but um, no magic from from Ronaldo tonight. But great great goal to start it out for Atletico. Um, like I said, incredible ball in from Lodi and Joao Felix, nearly like a Robin Van Persie in the World Cup header. He was he was almost full extension diving forward for it. Um, and just put it on goal with a ton of pace behind it. and Super, super good finish. Um, and then Lottie had another cross in the 44th that was deflected off an Atletico or off a, a United player onto an Atletico player's head and almost into the goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, United dominated most of the possession, even though Atletico had most of the shots. Um, and then ultimately, you know, just that that ball in from Bruno and the finish from Alanga changed everything in the 80th. So it'll be 1-1 heading to the second leg, and we'll see what happens. My money's still on Atletico. I think they're the better team. Um, and I just think that they have a little bit more. You know, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm just not sold on United. I, I, I think they have maybe the the better players and the sexier names to – to have those big moments, but I think Atletico are just throughout 90 minutes of a better team and, and have a little bit more of an engine behind them. Um, so you never know in the Champions League. So at, Atletico scored their goal with Joao Felix, and that was a Harry Maguire clearance. And then it went back to I want to say the midfielder, one of the one of the wingmen on the left side, and then it went, it swung in and Joao Felix attacked it. And there was no one marking him. And the person that was closest that should have been marking him was Harry Maguire. Shocker. And that is that is him to a T in a nutshell, where like if you have three tiers of center backs, he is he is definitely a upper portion of the second tier. Like he is not a first tier center back. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> he's very good aerially. Like when it comes to aerial battles, he wins most of those. And when it comes to positions, uh, when it comes to like glass ditch defending, he's pretty good. But he gets his he gets turned around all the time. He cannot mark up and he cannot keep up with people with pace at all. Yeah, he has no and, athleticism whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's very good at reading the game in essence. Um, yeah, yeah. Like he's I, he's Virgil Van Dyke, but no, way 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 worse. Like forty like. Minus sixty percent, like so nothing 40%. like Virgil Van Dyke, basically. But I don't even want them mentioned in the same sentence. <laughs> I don't even want them mentioned in the same sentence, man. But that's what that's all I'm getting at. Like, if he could just turn his hips and be a little bit quicker and mark up, like he would maybe go into the bottom half of the first tier. But he's second tier defender, and I think that's what United is lacking. Like, yeah, they brought in Veron or Verane, whatever his name is. Yeah. They brought in him. They have Luke Shaw on the left side, and then they have usually Juan Basaka or whoever else, and then uh, Victor Lindelof as well. They just don't have enough coming in to stop whatever's going on. And then 
you have McTominay, Fred, whoever else you want to stick in this like kind of defensive midfielder position. And it's just, it's not working. And Atletico was, they were good, but they weren't great. Yeah. And they were still like in it the entire time attacking through the midfield. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Atletico is very capable of exposing them and putting three or four goals up on them. And I think that United are lucky that that didn't happen yeah. today. And I could see that happening in the second leg. Um, yeah. If, if Atletico is just a little more clinical. And again, yeah, I mean, and that's, I think that's where the critique comes with, with Maguire is he was good, not, he was good at Leicester. I, I don't think he was great. And that's why it was a head scratcher to me is like, you're going to spend Virgil van Dyke money on a guy who's a dollar store version of Virgil van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And that's where the criticism comes in is like, you spent 75 million pounds on this guy. And again, he's, he's a fridge in the back. He's a 75 million pound fridge. Can't move, can't rotate. And like, it's one thing to read the game well, but you know, there's, there's a lot of players who read the game well and aren't that good because they don't have the athleticism or that first step that's necessary to, to really be elite. And if you're going to splash that money on a center back as Manchester United, you got huge shoes to fill. Yeah. As shitty of a story as Mason Greenwood has been a part of it, it's kind of nice from a Manchester United perspective that Ilanga is kind of stepping up into that position yeah. and uh, taking over that role. And I mean, he's shining right now, so good for him. And uh, yeah, that's about all I have for Manchester United. And that's all I really want to talk about for the rest of the year, <laughs> if, if at all possible. Yeah. Let's give Ilanga a, a quick cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. And then we'll move on to um, United's partners here in the Prem, Chelsea, they won 2 0 over Lille um, in the Champions League. Havertz, Kai Havertz had chances galore in this match. Missed two chances in the first six minutes, comes back in the seventh and scores on a header that Zayech put on, right on his head from the corner. Um, not great defending. I don't know if they were lined up in zone defending or, or man marking, but Havertz did make a good run. He came a little bit deeper in the box, um, like far post area and a little bit deeper um, Mm -hmm. than the the penalty spot and pretty much just looped around their defense into a low pocket of space right by the penalty marker um, and just headed one in pretty straightforward, but he put it low and and bounced it in. So good goal from him. Marco Solanzo had a couple really good chances, but both were saved. And then uh, Christian Pulisic scored following a great run from, from N'Golo Conte. Um, and then hit a terrible gritty in his celebration. Toby, I know you are a – you're kind of the gritty god here, the the gritty connoisseur. What were your thoughts? Uh, G-R-I-T-T-Y is what Christian Pulisic did. Still into it, though. It doesn't matter. Um, Chelsea never looked like they were going to lose control of this game. No. Yeah. But I expected more of a wow factor from them, and I, ne- I did not get that whatsoever. Uh, Lille, they definitely look like they were definitely the minor opponent. And besides a few counterattacks, I never really expected anything from them. They had no real class to them. Uh, I was honestly, I was kind of disappointed. Uh, Chelsea bottled up the entire midfield, they owned it, especially with uh, N'Golo Kante, and then uh, they had Kovacic in there as well instead of uh, Jorginho. And uh, 
the only thing that they really had going for him from a Leo perspective was uh, Renato Sanchez was a problem for a little while. He was he looked really good. The port, I'm pretty sure he's Portuguese. Yeah. Um, and he looked really good. And Marcus Alonso looked terrible on the wing position for Chelsea, and they just they couldn't attack that at all. And they're just yeah, there just wasn't a lot going on for him. I was really upset. Um, I think Leo was never going to win when they legit were playing on 2-22-22. They had a kid's birthday on that day that was turning 22, and his jersey number was 22, and that is Timothy Wea, the American. Like, it was all the stars were aligned for this dude to shine that game, and he didn't even start, didn't even get subbed on. So, of course, they were going to lose this entire game. That was Writing was on the wall. <laughs> and I was disappointed um, with that, not so much the 222 stuff, but uh, <laughs> I was disappointed that Wea didn't start, and even more so that he didn't even make an appearance. I would have really mm-hmm. liked to have seen – so Renato Sanchez lined up on the right in like a midfield-type winger, right mid, right winger sort of role. And he played well, which I, I feel like you could line him up anywhere and he'd play well. I think he's just one of the best players in Ligue 1 and, and one of the better players in Europe right now. But I would have liked to have seen Wea there and Sanchez in his normal deeper lying central role. And then Adam Ben Arfra, um, who came off the bench, I would have liked to have seen him start in the attacking mid role behind Jonathan David. Instead, Amadou Onana started. Um, and I just think that would have patched things up a little bit more in the midfield for them to have Renato a little bit deeper lying, Wea on the outside, and then Ben Arfa up top. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's their most dangerous lineup, especially against one of the better midfields in Europe with Chelsea. It doesn't matter if it's Kovacic or Jorginho. Regardless, you've got Conte in there and one of those two. Um, I feel like you have to do something to counteract that. And so I, I just didn't really understand that. I, I didn't understand having Sanchez out, outside when mm-hmm. he's, he can make such an impact in the middle. He's so composed on the ball and talented. Also, his defensive work rate is, is solid as well. So I, I didn't really get that at all. And I hope in the second leg that they switch that up a little bit. Chelsea didn't play Lukaku at all. That was kind of a head-scratcher in my opinion. Um, well, do you think- yeah. Do you think that's because of the Carabao Cup, the EFL final against your Liverpool this weekend, or what? I think there's just tension there, man, and I I don't think that the media helps it. Obviously, there's been a ton of discussion about it since the Inter comments, but I just feel like his form hasn't been good really all year, but especially after that, and now he's under a microscope because of those comments, Mm -hmm. um, where if he doesn't play well, it's, it's not just, oh, this big signing isn't in form for you, but this big signing isn't in form and he wants to go back to Italy. I, I just think he's underway more of a microscope. And I think maybe Tuchel's feeling that as well and their relationship constrained a bit. And then you have Havertz, you know, come in and, and play as well as he has. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it's probably a little bit more off the pitch than on the pitch, but who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe they're saving him for Carabao. So whoever wins this game between Leo and Chelsea plays Ajax and Benfica, what happened there? Yeah, 2-2 draw. Um, I actually advised a co-worker. Yeah, he was going to throw a little uh, wager on this, and I advised him to take Ajax, and I feel bad. 
Uh, <laughs> they came out in the three little birds jerseys, swagger oozing from the front three, Tadic, Holler, <laughs> and Anthony up top, super talented. Dushan Tadic started out 17th minute, caught a cross on the half volley, and typically a guy will try and strike that with a ton of power um, and just a professional finish from a guy with incredible technique. He, he didn't try to hit it too hard. It looked like, I think the commentator even said it looked like a training ground finish. He just opened up his hips and slotted in with his right foot to the top right corner. Um, 33-year-old captain of Ajax, captain of Serbia, played for Southampton for four years and has been a staple for Ajax for the last four. Like The guy's just unbelievable. He's, he's one of those guys who kind of flies under the radar being in Eredivisie. But he's just crazy, crazy talented, super smart player. Um, and he delivered for him starting out. And then your boy, the former Spur, uh, Jan Vertonghen, yeah. up in the attacking third out of nowhere, put a shot on target, it deflected out, and he received it kind of close to the touchline and just sent in a cross, and it took a deflection off of Sebastian Allaire actually to tie it up, which is just a f- – kind of funny to me that a center back is up there playing in a cross and in attacking like a, a, a striker is back in his own box defending and accidentally hits it in like just that's, just a that's, strange scenario that is my dog like i love young vertongan so much and it reminds me of when pochettino required him to play the wing back position against Borussia dortmund in the round of 16 leading up to them going to the uh, championship of the Champions League. And he got a goal on a, like, flying in uh, volley, pretty much. And then he also set up another goal playing the wingback position. And he is a center back by trade. And he was literally playing a forward slash defensive position, just box to box. And that's when I realized this dude has legit class. Like, if you can play him at different positions, like, that's why he's Belgium's number one defender, in my opinion, ahead of Toby Alderweireld, which is another ex-Tottenham player. Toby Alderweireld. Yeah, they were they were quite a duo for a while. Um, this is a Tottenham podcast, by the this way. This is yeah. Let's let's move, <laughs> let's move on from these Tottenham these Tottenham fools. Um, yeah, Juve. and the, the final match here, Juve, Villarreal, <clears throat> Daddy Dushan announcing his Champions League arrival 40 seconds in. The man's a fucking menace. Uh, he's everything Alvaro Morado always wanted to be. He's everything we all wanted to be, Toby. Uh, the, the, man's, the man's not even a man yet. He's not even 20. <laughs> yeah, and he looks like a full-grown adult. This is Diego Costa 2.0. This is they went back to the lab and they were like, how can we improve on the first design? <laughs> how can how can we make a 20-year-old look like he's 45? Dude, he, he gets he gets balls that I'm like, that's a trash ass pass, and he gobbles them up like a hungry hippo. And they don't it doesn't leave. It's like Velcro on his feet. Like it just stays there. And that that goal that he had in the first like what 34 seconds? Yeah. Was a perfect chest down and then just oh my gosh didn't even look turn. at the goal yeah he didn't need to like he knew where the goal was yeah. 10 seconds ago when he received the ball off of his chest and he got it and just turned it and just went far post oh my gosh like 
my buddy texted me and said, this is the perfect replacement for Ronaldo. And he reminds me of Ronaldo because he has that, he has that X factor where he is truly just a freak. Like athletically, he is superior to the other 21 players on the pitch. He's, he's an Erling Holland where he he has the ball. He has has the ball. And you're like that guy, he's like LeBron James in basketball. He's like, you have the ball and you're like, that guy's too big to be like dribbling the ball like he is, and yeah. he's doing he's doing what a smaller guy should be doing. Yeah. Like he's he's a freak. Uh, poor news out of this game: Wes McKinney has a foot fracture. He's out at least eight weeks, most likely twelve weeks. Going to be out for next World Cup qualifying round this month in March. Uh, that's a bummer, uh, and that's especially a bummer not just for the United States, but it's a bummer for Juve. Like he's yeah. been in top form for them right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge loss for for both. Um, um, though, Villa- real quick, I want to Tottenham loan tracker. Since this is a Tottenham podcast, how was Lacelso for Villarreal? Lacelso in the mid. He was good. Um, he should have finished one of his chances though. Is, did he hit the post or what? I think he went just over the post, but he had a really good chance. Um, but, yeah, I thought he looked good. I thought Villarreal in general looked good, and I thought Juve were really lucky to come away with a win because um, Adrian Rabio should have been sent off. Brutal tackle that VAR got wrong. Pundits were saying actually after the match that it's up to the VAR team <clears throat> to stop that and call it back because obviously VAR is there to correct any mistakes that the referee makes. So the referee – you know, things are moving quickly. If he missed a call, he missed a call. That is what it is. Um, and so it's up to VAR to to be in his ear and say, hey, you need to go take a look at that. And they didn't. And it was clear yeah. it should have been a red. Um, and he should have been sent off. And so uh, what what the team was saying in, uh, post-game was that that will be a knock on that VAR crew, and they likely won't get any more matches this season in the in the um, Champions League because of that mistake. Wow. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, lucky for Juve, unfortunate for Villarreal. They had the majority of the possession throughout the match um, and, and a few really good chances. So, uh, fair score? I don't Final? know. I don't know, man, because I it, it just depends what would have happened if Juve parks the bus and defends for the rest of the match. Who knows what happens, but um, – uh, you never know what what going a man down will do. And like I said, Villarreal had most of the possession. They had some good chances. I I feel confident that that they could have maybe grabbed it, another goal. Um, you know, if if they were a man up, and uh, it was actually Rabio who let Danny Parejo slip behind him in the 66 to tie it. Really good lofted ball from Capue uh, into Parejo, and he caught it similar to Tadic's finish. Um, Caught it just as it skimmed the ground, just before the half folly. It was a really nice finish. So, mm-hmm. uh, who knows? I mean, I they could have potentially grabbed another goal and, and been going into the second leg up two one. Yeah. Other than that, Tobes, we got we got Europa back tomorrow. Um, we're heading into the second round. A, a couple good matches here. Um, Napoli and Barcelona are tied one one after the first leg. Real Sociedad and Red Bull Leipzig are tied at 2-2. Lazio are down 1-2 to to Porto, and they're heading back to the Stadio Olimpico. And then Rangers with a huge win, 4-2 over Dortmund, and they're heading back to the Rangers Stadium, Ibrox. 
So any other matches that stand out to you or any comments on those matches? Uh, I was not expecting Rangers at all. No? Um, no early in Halan tomorrow either from what I'm uh, picking up. He didn't even travel with the team. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a fish out of water in my opinion. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, Rangers are a good team. I did not think they were that good. That that kind of makes it seem like, oh, shit, the Bundesliga is not very good. Honestly, that's how I took it. Maybe. I don't know if you can say that, though. I mean. Uh, yeah, I can I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like Rangers have, have made a lot of strides over the last couple of years. And, I mean, they dominated the Scottish Premier League when, when Stevie G took the reins and um, they've got some players and I, I think it's a similar style too, where both are that smash mouth, super physical type of play, you know, Bundesliga and the Scottish Premier League. And I'm curious if, if Dortmund just kind of got smacked in the jaw and they weren't ready yeah. for it coming from the Champions League and, and maybe just, you know, going down to Europa and not expecting to run into a team like that. That's really going to bring the game to you. Um, so maybe they were caught off guard. I don't know. I'm I'm actually really interested to see how the second leg goes. Uh, Dortmund's final match. I forget who they were playing, but their final match of the group stages when they were knocked out. I think they needed like a six goal differential, and they got like a five goal differential. So they played pretty well with their backs against the wall. Obviously, again, mm-hmm. if Holland isn't isn't playing, that's a huge loss. But I am interested to see how they bounce back and and if they make things interesting. Yeah. Do you think Napoli can beat Barcelona? I hope so. I hope so. Um, I don't know. I think that at home in front of a full stadium, I I think so. I'm not sure what Italy's doing right now as far as fans in the stands go. Because the last time I watched Serie A, I think two weeks ago, they were at like half capacity or 25% capacity or something like that. Uh, and I don't know if that'll actually make a huge difference or not, but I think, yeah. I think they could. I think they could. Yeah. So before we go- close this thing out, uh, the Champions League today had, or this this next session had uh, Kate Abdo. Uh, welcome back. Shout out. I love you. Um, yes. She had not been there the previous, like, one or two times. The go. Uh, and then, the go. Yeah. The, the go, go test. Yeah, the go test. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Love it. Love it. Uh, and then also, I guess the biggest news from everything that's not game related is that. Russia is probably going to get yanked. Like, they're not going to be having a game. I'm going to say it's in Moscow, uh, the Champions League uh, final. So they're not going to be having it there. Most likely they're going to move it somewhere else uh, based on World War III possibly happening because Russia sucks. So, yeah. Shit, are we going to get in trouble for me saying that? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out when we publish this episode. <laughs> find out on the next episode of Bruise. Hopefully we get more followers. followers. <laughs> yeah, follow us on Twitter, guys. Yeah, uh, like of, everything, yeah. subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Give Instagram. Um, yep. Other than that, I mean, we have – I I don't have much as far as Belters, Booze, and Cheers. I know we both have the same – Belter, um, it was uh, yeah. it was unanimous this week. Go ahead and give the people the news. The the people called for it. We got it. Spain has it. Pedre, Belter against Valencia. Yunus Musa, I think, was playing in that game. 
Lord help me, that 19-year-old is going to be trouble for the rest of his life. Like, oh, he's got a phenomenal 12 years ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, he's special. Him and him and uh, Gavi both. Yeah, oh, got, yeah definitely. Got, the, the time may not be now for Barcelona, but um, they will be back. Because mm-hmm. those guys are phenomenal. And if they keep Frankie de Jong, that's a hell of a <clears> – <throat> That's a hell of a trio in the midfield. Yeah. So I, Keeks, before we go real quick, I have a boot here, but it's kind of a mix of both. And that's for the United States Women's National Team reaching an agreement. Took for, the words uh, out of my mouth. I'm in between on this. Uh, for uh, Yeah, for their pay claims. Uh, I don't know, agreement. Um, so they came to a settlement. I forget. Do you have the exact number? 26 mil, I believe. Yeah. So that gets that gets split 24 mil. 24 mil. 20, I'm sorry. So that gets split up amongst all the players to kind of help with equal pay. But at this point, that's a that's a win. Yes, everyone's getting paid more money than what they got. That's a win. But at the same time, like I don't know. At that point, can you consider? This is the thing where it's like you have to figure out commercial space and just time slots on certain networks versus win percentage and like, who's the better team and all that. Like there's a lot of stuff going into all of this. And was it, was it a cheer for them having this settled at that? Or was it technically a booth? They could have got more. I don't know. I think it's in between. It's like you said, it's a step. Um, But I, I feel almost weird. Like it, yeah. It's a cheer. It's a, it's a small cheer, but um, and Hope Solo spoke up out about this as well. They had to literally sue to get this. First of all, they they mm-hmm. had to, they had to sue U.S. Soccer um, just to get this. So that's that's not good. Um, that they had to fight and claw for this to happen. And granted, they got it, so that's great. And we'll, we'll cheer that. But um, and it's still con- <laughs> it's still congit contingent upon negotiations so whatever the fuck that means who knows Mm -hmm. so let's hope they get the 24 million let's hope they get more than that because they're worth more than that in my opinion um so it's a baby cheer and it's a it's a baby step in the right direction but i do think that more is deserved and more should come so hopefully those negotiations go in the, the women's national team's favor um but yeah i I was in between on that as well and we'll continue to follow that situation um as it as it develops here here on bruise and belters so (laughs) other than that we're done for the night um we'll be back next week with more uh probably some europa league review we're gonna try and uh start incorporating more like topical discussion as well for weeks like this, there may be a little bit low on um, action. Obviously we had champions league and some premier league. So a decent amount of action going on, but on the weeks where we pretty much just have premier league and a little bit of Syria, we're going to try and mix in maybe some, some tactical analysis and um, just other topics that stand out to us. Fashion drip. And of course, yeah, of course drip. So <laughs> So that wraps it up. Um, We'll see everybody next week. Follow us on social media and cheers. Cheers.